conversations around good. Yo, we talking. The conversations around good. Yo, yo, we talking. Yo. Conversations, conversations, conversations around the good. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am so excited that you're about to listen in on another episode of the Made Possible by podcast. I wanted to take a quick second to let you know exactly what we do. Made Possible by makes giving easy for community-minded businesses and provide a more effective way to share their stories of good. Now let's jump into the podcast. Welcome to the Made Possible by Podcast, where we have conversations around good with community-minded individuals. We hope that today's episode inspires you to go out and do good. Hello, and thank you again for joining us for another conversation around good. I am here with Mr. Derek Tyre, and he is going to drop that beat to bring us in. Let's go. Here. Forward conversation. Gonna have a good time. Gonna, 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 gonna. Here, here. Forward conversation. Gonna have a good time. Say whoop, say whoop, say whoop, say whoop. Here to talk. Man, and you just did that off the top of your head. <laughs> You're crazy. How do you do that? Doing it for a long time. Yeah. Think about kids just sitting around the house and yeah. having fun. And yeah. Drop a beat and somebody freestyle, and we're on the table with like pencils and our hands and phones. And I, I, that didn't happen when I was growing <laughs> up. So I love that you're doing that. I was in a meeting with Hetty uh, Coleman and Derek the other night, and they just went off for quite a while. And I was just sitting there enjoying it, going, I have no skills here. So yeah. I'm just going to enjoy this moment. So. Bernie even joined in. She did. Yeah. Bernie was joining in. So just thank a good you. Time. That might be my new opener now yeah. for this conversation. Let Keep me, here. I got to re- record it like officially then. You need to officially. Okay, we'll, we'll go back. We'll go back we'll and go back do, and do it something officially. more official. Okay, okay, nice. But it was impressive. <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> we're already off to a fun start. Um, I am here, like I said, with Mr. Derek Sire. Derek is the Director of Minority Empowerment for Paradigm Shift Leadership. That is correct. And clearly, he's so much fun. So I'm going to read uh, Derek's bio and then talk a little about, about Paradigm, and then we're just going to jump in. Definitely. So one of Derek's favorite childhood memories is riding around with his father, picking up neighborhood kids and taking them to the community center and teaching them a skill or a sport or feeding them or washing their clothes and then taking them back home. Now that Derek is an adult and his father has passed away, Derek continues to carry on the legacy of caring for people by feeding their hearts and souls and doing his best to spread joy and infusing those around him with a positive perspective. While his passion would be plenty, which we've already seen, um, Derek has a bachelor's degree in recreational management, a master's degree in theology studies, and started OMS Team Training Building in 2013. Now he serves as the director at Paradigm Shift and has a wife of 19 years. You should get awards for that. I say that all the time. If you're married for more than a few years, you need an award. Um, And two teenagers that keep him motivated to change the world, one person and one group at a time. 
Paradigm Shift uses practical leadership and adventure-based models to help both students and educators develop powerful relationships and set SMART goals, embrace personal responsibility, and operate with clarity and develop a defined purpose. Paradigm invites their participants to learn through dynamic keynotes, interactive workshops, online coaching, and customized training. Most importantly, Paradigm Shift will challenge your their, their participants to develop into enterprising and effective leaders. That, oh my gosh, I'm looking at that going, that's a huge goal. It is. You've got a lot going on there. And uh, the cool part is like, uh, from a big view, it seems overwhelming. But when you get down into the day-to-day operations, it's uh, so fun and it's so engaging and it's so uh, interactive. And one of the words that we use is adventure-based. Right. And so as we are discovering different ways to engage people, they are discovering different ways to not only engage themselves and their own passions, uh, but the people around them. Mm. So everything is interactive. Everything is explorative. Everything is interactive. Everything is adventure based. And we try to get people up and interacting with concepts mm-hmm. instead of sitting and listening and receiving to information for hours upon hours, mm-hmm. because we've done that our whole lives mm-hmm. in school, at work presentations, workshops, conferences, you go and you sit and you listen. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't, we don't want to do that. We want people to, to learn uh, by doing. Mm-hmm. Well, I've been a part of Derek's um, OMOS, mm-hmm. um, interactive meetings. You're moving, you're learning, you're talking, you're discussing. Yeah. I mean, definitely I've seen you in action, so you're doing it. Thank you. You're doing it. That's I've been awesome. a blast doing it. There you go. Okay, so tell us, um, before we jump into your family and all the other cool things, tell us something unique about you. And something that made you smile or brought you joy this week? Um, something unique is I love golf. And I'm actually pretty good at it. Really? Yeah. So I, uh, two years ago, pre-COVID, I shot my best round ever. Okay. And that was a 78. <laughs> and for anybody that's a golfer, that's, yeah. uh, that's not bad. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a scratch golfer, but I got, yeah. you know, I got six, seven handicaps. So there you go. Uh, I also love to crochet. What? Fun story. I'm in <laughs> Iowa. I go to school in Iowa. And I'm kind of walking around. Uh, getting to know the campus, and there are uh, there's this big room, and there's this big glass that covers the wall of the room. Where if you walk by, you can see into the room. Where I walk by, and there are maybe 12, 13, 14 young ladies, and they are uh, sitting in a circle. I make a hard U turn, and I come back and I go inside the room, and I'm like, Hey, what's happening in here? And they're like, You can only be in here if you crochet. And I'm like, well, what does it take to crochet? And they're like, go to the store, get one of these needles, grab some yarn. They didn't think I was going to do it. I left, like, immediately and went to Walmart. That was 30 minutes away. Came back and sat in a circle. And I've been crocheting ever since. That was in 2000. That was 99, 2000. I've been crocheting ever since. So was your motivation the group of ladies sitting in a circle originally? Totally the girls. <laughs> totally the girls. I didn't care about no needle and no yarn. I didn't care about I'm no Afghans and no blankets. No. You're like, I got a captive audience. Yes. 13 girls and one guy. Yeah. And, and it's funny because as a athlete, as a football player, yeah. you get to walk around campus and it automatically puts you in a different people group. Yeah. Same thing with uh, living in a hall. So instead of uh, fraternity sororities, you pledged a hall, so where you live. Okay. And so I was an athlete. I was a student scholar. I hung out with the Hawaiians. I was a part of crochet. I worked at a club called um, Choices. And so I had all these different people groups. So when I walk around campus, yeah, I wasn't honed into one particular group. I knew several different folks, and I wouldn't have had it any other way. 
Uh, that's perfect for what you do, you yeah. know, because you're connecting people. Definitely. So you're branched out. I love that. We, I, I think that we do ourselves a disservice when we just pigeonhole ourselves and say, I'm this, and yeah. just go in that direction because we can learn so much from other people, not just crocheting. Yeah. But you know, Tracy, that, that speaks to a lot of different places. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it speaks to food. It speaks to cities. It speaks to learning styles. It speaks to TV shows. It speaks to people groups. There's something like we don't maximize our, our experience, our opportunities here on life by doing one thing mm -hmm. all the time. Right? We miss out on so many foods by saying, ew, I don't like this, or I don't like mm -hmm. that, I don't like that. By eating the same thing all the time, we miss out on so many different foods. By watching the same shows and the same movies, we miss, by listening to the same music, by living in the same square mile, by never getting outside of our side of town, like by doing those same things over and over and over again, we get really good at them. And that's, there's a benefit to that. But I think we miss out on life so much yeah. when we don't branch outside of our experience or outside of our comfort zone. Yeah. You got to learn something new. You got to be yeah. willing to, first of all, stink at it. Yeah. You know, and, and not even necessarily learning a skill, but you try a new food. You may not like that new food, but that's right. okay. Yeah. At least, you know, at mm -hmm. least you tried. We dumped, jumped into that big time when <laughs> one of our sons decided he was, he'd been a baseball, been an athlete guy forever. And then he decided he was going to rodeo. Mm. And I had never, oh, I shouldn't say that. I've gone to rodeos a little bit when I was a little kid. Right. But his first time he rode a bull, he did his thing, whatever. And then he, I think it was maybe the first or second time, but he stayed on longer than the eight seconds. Mm. And the announcer goes, he's going for extra points. <laughs> and I turned around, I looked at my husband, I go, can you do that? <laughs> No. no, I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, that's whatever. But we learned something new. Yeah. You know, we learned about horses and mm -hmm. cows and. And you're better for it. And x-rays after you run the ball. Oh, I remember. Uh, yeah, he's been, he's been knocked out several times. So, you know, it is what it is. Not, and baseball too, he got knocked out. It was mostly broken ribs or, you know, there wasn't huge. Yeah. He was lucky. And but how, I'm but how, so that was, uh, that was a couple of years ago. Yeah. He, like, what happened? Like, why did he stop like, riding well, bulls? Did he get hit by a bull? Oh, did, yeah. Did well, many times. he. Sometimes you fall forward and the mm. bull rears back and you mm. hit your head at the same time. Or you get knocked off and you your head hits the metal gate Jeez. sitting next to you. Or, I mean, it was just... I'm thankful he's done with that. Yeah. We learned something new, but I'm thankful that he's <laughs> done. What's, so, uh, what's he up to next? So who knows what else? Well, he went back to baseball. Okay. He's getting his pilot's license. You know, and if it's not dangerous, yeah, this child of it. mine is not going to do it. So Keeps you on edge, for sure. <laughs> my goodness. Baseball's <laughs> the calmest thing. Anyhow, tell us about your family. We're not here to talk about me. Let's talk about your family. Definitely. So I've uh, been married 19 years, coming up on 20 in uh, January. Yay. And we dated in high school. And uh, took a break and then reconnected a couple of years later. Uh, we have uh, two teenagers, two, te two teenagers, mm. uh, 16 year old in next week, actually. And then uh, my son will be 15 in the fall. He plays competitive soccer and loves uh, stagecraft and lights and sound and building things. Oh, and nice. So we bought him some drills and uh, some kits so that he can work on spare wood and things like that at home. My daughter is, uh, she calls herself a theater nerd or a theater geek. And so she loves dancing and singing and being backstage and being the stage manager and helping with youth and things like that. So uh, one is in on the on the stage. Yeah. The other is behind the stage. Okay. And um, 
Yeah, they're just very active folks. Uh, my wife and I are originally from Tulsa, relocated to Oklahoma City by way of Norman. Mm-hmm. We're just going to build our, our little nest here. So they only know Oklahoma City, and uh, they absolutely love it. Uh, we're community-minded, and we love hosting folks and having cookouts and playing games, and we're pretty competitive, uh, and we like Hamilton. Okay. <laughs> it's so I, I'm just rambling now, but it's, no, a, great. it's a pretty cool setup. We, we just got a garden in our backyard, which okay. is really cool. So we have a few yeah. leafy greens and nice. some tomatoes and uh, onions and feeding yourself sweet potatoes, Ooh. okra, cucumbers. You've got a lot. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's yeah. exciting watching it, the stuff yeah. grow. Nobody ever told me, though, I will never be able to eat it all. Like you have too much? Yeah. Oh, that's Like it good. grows faster than we can eat. Well, that's good. Give it away. Yeah. But... but Yes. And so we lived next to a neighbor uh, a few years ago and uh, Tyson and Mickey. Mm-hmm. And they were like, Derek, we can't we can't even give it away. Like you'll go in their house and it's laid on top of their their island. Really? Yeah. And they have like a, so they grew cantaloupes, honeydew melon, tomatoes, bell peppers, okra, cucumbers, zucchini, squash. Oh, my gosh. Um, strawberries. And in. They were just saying, like, we can't, we don't, we would literally have to pull up somewhere and say free stuff. Really? And they, they were thinking, like, you would give it away. Like, yeah. people would take it. But yeah. for some reason, people feel like people that are giving stuff away for free, like, it must be bad. Or huh. So they're like, we, we literally can't give it away. Our neighbors won't take it. You all are the only ones that take it. Oh, hook me up. Yeah. I will take all of it. <laughs> Seriously. I will take all of it. If you're not using pesticides, I'm in. I'm yeah. totally in. Okay. No pesticides. Okay. I'm... Seriously. Okay. Because so, where we go, we just got a connection right there. Yeah. I'll, t- I'll take your produce. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of it, like we'll put it in the fridge and uh, it'll go back into our compost pile. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's getting used, but we prefer for it to get used. For sure. For sure. Well, so, at least you have a compost. Yeah. That's, so that's our family setup. Um, yeah. And it. you didn't mention your wife or your children's names. They need oh, to get Nia, shout outs. Nia uh, is my oldest daughter, my older daughter. Uh, Ethan is my younger son. And uh, my wife's name is Takia. Takia. And she um, is the the backbone of this family. I tell you what, she keeps everything moving smoothly. She runs the calendar. There's a there's a, a TikTok that says dads at the hospital answering questions about their kids, mm-hmm. and the dad is like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> and then the mom is answering all the questions, and I'm like, that is totally us. But not just at the hospital. That's like our whole lives. Yeah. Like she knows everything just at a at a glance. She just keeps us together, so yeah. she plays such a crucial, uh, important part. Yeah. If you ask her, she doesn't want to do it. Okay. She's like, every responsible mom wants to be carefree. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't want to do it, but there's a sense of control mm-hmm. that I need to know that everything is happening the way it needs to happen, mm-hmm. and homework is getting done, and people are being dropped off, that it won't let me be as... Uh, not ir- irresponsible. That's not the word I'm looking for. Laid back, maybe? Yeah, or maybe detached. Okay. As everyone else. Okay. Everyone else literally wakes up, and they're like, what are we doing today? And mom's like, uh, you got practice, you got so-and-so, you got so-and-so, let the dog out, you feed yourselves. And everybody's like, okay. And they just kind of like, ready, go. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm that way at home, not not for business. And so, uh-oh. So right. Sometimes <laughs> she's uh, she uh, like sees me in meetings and doing trainings, and she's like, who is that guy? I'm like, I'm that guy because I got to be. I'm not that guy at home. I'm like, that's, oh. 
Yeah, she's like, but I don't want to be. <laughs> yeah, you you just want to be the quiet guy, not necessarily yeah. quiet, but more, I don't know, reserved. But yeah. she, she wants the energy at home sometimes. Well, she she wants the uh, the involvement, the like, in, the organizer. Yeah. Okay. Like so, when she looks at my calendar, she's like, "You have everything planned because we have a shared calendar." Yeah. She's like, "You're going from training to meeting to training to meeting. Mm-hmm. You're on time for every one of them. You're prepared. I listen to your trainings. You're brilliant. You're great. You mm-hmm. have." fun you engage people you're funny and then you get off and you're like hey what are we eating tonight (laughs) (laughs) and she's like transfer some of that i'm like but you got it babe like that's your thing she's like i don't want it to be my thing but i don't want to always be my thing that's like sometimes i question whether my the men in my house purposely load the dishwasher poorly (laughs) because they'll know that i'll come in and do it so you know yeah. We we step in when we see things aren't happening right, and she's yeah. got it under control. So she does, she does. She also has friends where she'll go over to their house, and they uh, they don't mind the the disorder, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Girl, we live here. We got kids, and mm-hmm. I got a husband, and they got friends, and we got a dog, and I'm okay with dishes being in the sink. I'm okay." And I'm mm-hmm. like, "She's like, no, that's not how she rolls. Oh no, 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 no. She and got a tight ship. She does, but but you know." One of the cool things is we've learned how to, as a family, support her. And so when we know mom has some really important things or, like, she's at her her peak, mm-hmm. she's at her, it's like, all right. It's like mom goes away. Yeah. She goes to Walmart. She goes to Target. She, like, roams around, gets okay. some sushi and some ice cream. Yeah. And then it's like, I got to rally the troops. And I got to be like, hey, listen. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Mama needs a break. <laughs> you got the dog. You yes. got dinner. I got laundry. Yes. Okay. And then she comes back home and everything's done. And she's like, I knew you guys could do it. She's like, I knew. I just had to go away. Yeah. Yeah. And we're like, everything okay? And she's like, yeah. And we're like, all right, great. Okay. Let's back to normal. (laughs) It's all back to you. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's very, it's very interesting. The dynamic of our family and the the part that everyone plays, Mm -hmm. but we value her and we appreciate her. And as much as she says, she doesn't want to do it. I think she gets some. Okay. joy out okay. of knowing everything that's happening everything's together she just needs to break every now and again so. okay yeah moms need a break was well, that therapy just now that was therapy there you go i'll i'll send you the bill later i appreciate it Thank <laughs> you. i just worked through the whole problem <laughs> she's gonna listen to it and be like yeah yeah so come home and do some stuff <laughs> exactly oh shout out to you takia bless your heart love you babe <laughs> love you babe love you uh, that's so awesome so i'm not a dog person right but here's something that made me smile so I'm looking outside of my window, and there are these two dogs that are outside the street. And they run up to the edge of the street, and eventually one goes over, and they get nose to nose, and they're like smelling each other, and then they work down the side of the face to the ears to the shoulders, and eventually they get to each other's butts. And they're just like walking in this circle, and they uh, they, they pull back. One of the dogs shakes his head like, like. <laughs> Dude, what are you eating? <laughs> Like, what was that? <laughs> it turns and runs away. And I laugh so <laughs> Like, steps back and like, poof. <laughs> runs I back. I don't want none of that. Not only did he run back, right, but he, like, rolls in the grass, <laughs> like, <laughs> trying to get it off his face. Was the dog, was it your dog? It wasn't no, my dog. Okay. So there's, a, there's people that moved in new next door. And their dog gets out of the backyard or something. He's like rubbing him. <laughs> I have to find out what that dog's eating. What are you eating, bro? And I am just dying. So my family comes out and I'm trying to tell the story, but I can't because I'm laughing so hard. Uh, but that, that was something that made me smile. Uh, 
my goodness. We <laughs> laughter is so important, people. That's hilarious. Oh my god. <laughs> He's like, that's nasty. <laughs> you nasty. What you eat, man? What? <laughs> Go back home, dude. <laughs> Stay over there. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, I'm back. Okay, that story was so worth it. Oh goodness. Okay, so back to our questions. <laughs> Um, I saw a picture recently on social media. You were at a parade or at an event, and you were in the middle of the street giving free hugs. First, what event was that, and what what inspired that? Yeah, I think that was the 2018 Martin Luther King Day Parade. Okay. And whenever I go to a parade, I just kind of sit and... um, and I watch, and that's cool, you know, watching the stuff. But I was like, man, I want to actually be in the parade. Well, I called to be friends, and uh, I couldn't sign up to be in the parade. So I was like, I'm just going to do it. When people ask you about your business, what do you say? How do you describe your products or services? Are you selling yourself short because you just can't put it into words? You're good at what you do, but it's not always easy to communicate how you're great at your work with simplicity. But now you have help. My friend Andrea at Strategic Hype will help you clarify your mission and communicate your value with a hype kit. This process will help you cut through the noise and share the best of what you do. We recently did a hype kit for Made Possible By, and it has allowed us to really simplify our message in order to get greater reach. For details on all the good stuff you'll get out of this hype kit, email andrea at strategic-hype.com or reach out to us and we will personally connect you. What's good, people? Hey, this is Hetty again. I just want to, first of all, let's give a shout out to Tracy, our great host uh, for the conversation around good podcasts. We also want to give a shout out to another one of our sponsors, and that sponsor is Plenty Mercantile. We love, love, love the team at Plenty Mercantile. They have been great supporters of our platform and so we're thankful that they are now sponsoring this podcast so that we can get great stories, inspiring stories out to you, the listener. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the story. It's been around since 2012. They have several locations. They have one in uh, downtown Oklahoma City in the historic Automobile Alley. They have one in Edmond at Spring Creek and then also one in Chisholm Creek. And uh, the downtown store has a great rooftop venue and a warehouse for events. So uh, please check them out. You can go to their website at www.plentymercantile.com. And there you'll also find all their social handles. I follow them. Uh, The Made Possible team follows them. So we want you to go follow them as well. And they would love to meet you. So go ahead and stop by one of their locations And just always remember, shopping uh, at local retailers makes a big difference. All right, 
let's jump into this episode. I'm tossing it over to Tracy. So I was like, I'm going to just do it. I'm going to just jump out in the middle of the street and I'm going to walk like I'm in the parade. Yeah. And they were like, dude, you're going to get in trouble. And I was like, the worst thing I can do is just tell me to not do it. Yeah. And so I had a friend uh, from Tennessee. She made me a shirt that had hugger on it. And uh, I made just this uh, sign out of cardboard. And I just walked around. And I was like, I'm going to give out as many hugs as I can today. And you would be amazed the number of people that would participate in that. Hmm. Like, I, would, I, wouldn't, I wasn't asking people. I wasn't provoking people. I wasn't, like, soliciting hugs. I'm literally walking with the sign and the shirt. And people are like, come here, come here, come here, come here. OG&E, Cox Cable. Like, they came out of the parade. Uh, the, the best part, I think, was there was a lady there, um, and she has an organization called Free Mom Hugs. And mm. it, it was funny because, like, you got two big huggers. That's their whole thing. And we crossed paths. And that was a moment for me, right? Because yeah. I, I understand her mission. Yeah. And um, my mission, while it's not as formal, mm -hmm. uh, it still se serves the same purpose. Yeah. How do we connect? How do we include? Yeah. How do we let people see let them know that we see them. How do we provide value, acceptance? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, so I ended up giving out over 500 hugs. Oh, my gosh. At the Martin Luther King Day Parade. You know, I think people, we just don't have that. And this is, that was pre-COVID. This is post-COVID, so things are probably even worse now. But we just don't have that physical touch yeah. anymore. I think part of it is maybe social media. You know, we live behind our phones. Right. We have a saying. We have some good buddies that we get together with and, there's no technology allowed and our teenagers always roll their eyes, but we're like, we don't even bring them in because right. we're not doing it. We're not right. doing it. We say we're going to focus on lasting relationships. So now that's a joke in our families. Oh, is this lasting relationship time? Yes, yes it, is. it is. Put your phone away. <laughs> you know, but we just don't do that. And so what a cool thing. 500. That's a lot of hugs. 500. And it's a, uh, it's something that people refer back to often. Hmm. And so I've been waiting for the opportunity to hop back out there and, and do it again. Uh, but I have so many hug stories. Hmm. There's another one. I was in um, Montana, and I was doing a STEM camp up there. And we're talking about making good choices and bucket list and what are five things that you can do to get you from one step to the next. And uh, I was telling them my five things, right? I want to be known as a husband, a father, a mentor, a person of faith, and a hugger. Those are my five things. I say that all the time. I want to be known. And there's a kid in the back that stood up and patted his chest and opened his arms Aww. like, give me a hug. And so, like, I got down into my little Neo Matrix stand and I was like, come here. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> and so he comes down. He uh, come, he comes down the stairs and it goes from, like, a walk to a trot to a run. Mm. And he by the time he gets to me, he's in the air. He has jumped. And he's giving me this koala hug with his legs around Aww. my waist. And I didn't want him to fall, so the only thing I could do was, like, grab him by the cheeks. Yeah. Right? And so, like, <laughs> now I'm bouncing him by his cheeks, his arms and his legs are wrapped around my waist, right? And uh, when, when I set him down, when he gets down, uh, the side of my face and my shirt is wet, and I kind of pull back, and he is sobbing. Aww. And I had a microphone, and I pulled the microphone away, and I'm like, hey, man, like, is everything okay? He said, you're the first man that I've hugged since my dad passed. Oh my God, you're making me laugh and cry today, Derek. Oh my gosh. A black guy from Oklahoma yeah. in Montana. In Montana. On a STEM camp. <laughs> I'm in Butte, Montana. Wow. Hugging a white kid. Hmm. 
mm. whose dad passed two years ago, and he has not hugged a man mm. since his dad passed. Wow. And I know people, they think that the hug thing is silly. And headies go in. Mm-hmm. Like, they think, they, there are people that think, like, okay, go in, or Derek like hugs. But I cannot tell you the impact everywhere that I go mm-hmm. where hugs have played such, I have so many hug stories. Mm. Uh, eighth graders in uh, uh, New Hampshire. I was in New Hampshire for uh, a, uh, a training. We had 800 eighth graders. And I stood at the back and I was like, hey, listen, I don't know what people are going through. I know we're here to have fun, but I'm going to stand at that door. And anybody that wants a hug, I'm giving out some really good ones. Mm-hmm. I stood in the back, gave out over another 500 hugs mm-hmm. from students. Unprovoked, I'm just standing back there. Yeah. And so that lets me know in this age of technology where people are saying that it's, it's causing a divide in the physical touch. Mm-hmm. I think there are people that are fighting through, that are pushing through that, who mm-hmm. crave that human connection. And there have to be people like me that are willing to fight through COVID, that are willing to fight through mm-hmm. whatever it is to, to make sure that human connection uh, perseveres. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a hugger, unashamedly. I love it. I'm a, I'm a hugger. Uh, there was, uh, I heard a pastor a few years ago talk about he, before he was a pastor maybe, or when he was early on or something, that he had a part-time job at a grocery store. And there was this cute little old older lady that always would come to his checkout thing even if the other ones were empty she would always come to his Mm -hmm. and you know five six months in he said why do you always come to my lane she said when you give me my change you always touch my hand and that's the only time anybody ever touches me during the week because her husband had been dead for years but that was the only person and all he did was touch her hand when he gave her change so lady i would touch your i would touch i would touch (laughs) well i don't want to say that but i (laughs) I will hug I'll give you. you a big hug. I know, like bring that oh, on in. And so I think it's important for us to, it's easy to get caught up in a in a day and a job and our chores and our tasks. But there is something that I think is innately human mm-hmm. that um, that connected. You know, even even our body through um, serotonin and oxycodone. Like if you get down on a physiological yeah. level, yeah. it's something that happens when we touch mm-hmm. and prolong touch. And when we connect, there's something that happens on the physiological level that is innately human. Mm-hmm. And we have to fight to preserve that. Mm-hmm. I think so. I honestly believe so. And, and what technology has allowed us to do is touch in different ways. And so I don't, I don't want to devalue yeah. the likes and the hearts and the text messages and the FaceTimes and the Zooms because that just, it just uh, it girthens the way that we interact. I don't want to. I'm not. I'm not pooping on those. Yeah. I'm not saying. I'm not. I don't want to get rid of those. Yeah. But they just are a version, mm-hmm. right there. Another avenue, another mode, another medium of connection. Mm-hmm. Connection is the most important part. I'm an advocate for physical mm-hmm. connection. And mm-hmm. I think it, that's very important. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for being out there and doing that. Yeah. yeah. And giving giving those hugs out. And I'm glad I'm not the only one. No, you're not. Yeah, you I are not. It, now, you know, I used to uh, I, I used to have this thing that I did where I, I taught hug classes. Oh. And, you know, there's always the, the, the side hug. Yeah, and yeah. you got the, the, we call it the church hug, where it's collarbone yeah. to collarbone with the, <laughs> with the waist out. You know, you got the bro hug, where it's like a hand between the mm-hmm. chest. And it's the pat on the back to let you know that I'm a bro. Yeah. And then you got the rock with it. Like, it's, it's fun to have people identify mm-hmm. outwardly, openly, what their engagement level is. Yeah. And, and I use the hug as a way to talk about life and preferences, 
uh, and perspective and growing up and roots and history and background. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes the way that people engage others is reflective of the story that we don't see. Oh, yeah. Right. So me growing up, I was uh, my family was very affectionate. In fact, up until middle school, like all my siblings, I kissed them in the mouth. Oh. Right. And my parents, like it, it got to a point to where they were like, how oh, you doing with girls? And, yeah. you know, we're a little growner now. Yeah. But we were very affectionate family. Like we were yeah. huggers. We were touchers. I remember there's a picture that my mom sent me where we were re- we were painting our living room and everybody was in their boxes, like all the boys. Yeah. And it's just like we were just such a uh, yeah. a very connected family. Mm-hmm. And I share that sometimes. And people are like, oh, like, like if you didn't grow up kissing your siblings in the mouth, that's that's weird. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's, it's I, like, I know people to this day, like who kiss their moms in the mouth. Yeah. And I'm like, yes. Yeah. Like, it's just different. Right. It, it is. Yeah. But, but, but we, what we can't do is Derek is a hugger. I can't shame people who are not huggers. Yeah. Yeah. And people who are not huggers can't shame huggers. Yeah. Because I think that's the world that we live in. If you're not like me, yeah. then you're wrong. Yeah. No. Yeah. We, there's gotta be some grace and some acceptance. And there has to be, there has to be yeah. a scale. There has to be. Yeah. Uh, there has to be a variety, not only of people, but ways that we interact. Uh, and we went off on a whole tangent. That's all right. It's boring if we're the same. I agree. My family's not super affectionate at all. In fact, I don't think my mom listened to this podcast, but <laughs> when she talks to you, she doesn't look at you. She looks away uh-huh. and I try to move to get in her face. So like eye contact, because we teach our boys, I, you talk. You yes. make eye contact when you're talking to someone, yeah. um, but that's just not her comfortable level. And my sister is a hugger, and I appreciate that, but I'm I'm mo- I'm trying to move into that to yeah. let it be a part of who I am. To let because it's not. I mean, I do like to hug people, but I'm not a. I'm gonna sit here and hold you forever kind yeah. of hugger. But I'm trying to grow into that. I've seen that. I've seen that. When we when we first met, we were not huggers. Yeah. You and I. Yeah. Now we are. Yeah. Hey, bring it on in. There you go. I'm growing. And and here's the thing that like I think. I think that is something mm, like if people don't want to be huggers and I know we're using hug as the avenue for the conversation, but I think uh, people don't have to transform, right? They don't have to um, expand or grow in areas for the sake of others. I think oftentimes we change ourselves to make other people feel comfortable, Mm. right? And so whenever I interact with people that are not huggers who are now hugging, I want to make sure, like, hey, like, are you doing this for me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. like, is this something, Yeah. right? Because if you enjoy handshakes, I will totally shake your hand. Fist yeah. pound, I yeah. will chest bump you, shoulder bump you. Yeah. I will tic-tac-toe you, high five you. Like, whatever it is, mm-hmm. I will do that. But I want you to, to engage in a way that's authentic mm-hmm. and that fits your values and your growth. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, it's almost like you're forcing yourself to do something for the sake of others. Mm-hmm. And I don't ever want to put people in that yeah. position. I don't want to, I, I think I just want to grow as a person mm-hmm. and to not be uncomfortable with physical touch. Yeah. Cause that's just kind of who I am. Yeah. And my husband is way more physical touch than I am. And mm-hmm. so I have to purposely think it matters to him if I walk up and put my hand on his shoulder. Yeah. But if I didn't think, I need to go do that. I just wouldn't do it because it's just not who I am. Well, it's super important for him. So I need to think like that. So it's me purposely changing and growing to help him because I love him Um, and I care about him and and I want to meet him where he needs to be met, Mm -hmm. you know, 
things that value him. Okay, we're doing more marriage counseling. No, no, that's good. That's really good. Big Mike, what's up, Mike? Shout out, Mike. Shout out to Mike. Yes, Big Poppy. That's he's known in my house as Big Poppy. Hey, Big Poppy. I love, I love it when you come in Big Poppy. Let's go. Okay, so mentoring has been a huge part of your life forever. Yes. Tell us about a mentor that you have had um, who made a difference in your life or affected you or that stands out, or maybe you have more than one. I do. And I always try not to make this a heady love fest, but it always <laughs> is that way. It always is that way. Hetty um, Coleman. Shout out to Hetty Coleman. He's a part of Made Possible by too. Yeah. I was on the um, um, Strategic Hype podcast with Andrea and uh, it just turned into a heady love fest. And I was like, I'm not going to do this again. <laughs> so I will asterisk Hetty as somebody who is massively supportive, mm-hmm. who is selfless who gives way more than he gets. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm about to start crying thinking about this dude. Like, it's just his impact on my life. He helped launch my company. Uh, he's helped my marriage. He's helped me as a father. Um, part of who I am and what I do in Oklahoma City was because I was sitting in a corner and he pulled me out. Hmm. Like, I just think that he does a really, really good job of mm-hmm. investing in people. Mm-hmm. And and not not to, to his comfort level. He... Uh-oh. There we go. So Hedy's a guy that will uh, will comfort you, not not necessarily out of his comfort level, because that's easy for us. Mm-hmm. When we interact with people and we interact with them according to our comfort level, then there's really um, very little sacrifice. But he will go into what you need, right, outside of his comfort level. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what uh, makes the heart of it a good mentor. Mm-hmm. And so I'll asterisk him, push him to the side. Uh, there is a, a young man by the name of Mark Hollingsworth, who is a pastor at First Nazarene Church in Edmond. Okay. And that guy is so legit. When I uh, went through a church transition, when I lost my father, just kind of going through just kind of this uh, growth identity phase about 10 years ago, man, he held my hand and he encouraged me. And we sat and ate burgers and Mexican food and we cried and we sobbed and uh, he's always been an encourager but one of the things that that he does that um that other people who have mentored me in my life is that he's specifically a spiritual mentor Mm. he doesn't really care about business he doesn't really care about um you know what i'm doing in the community not say that he he ignores those things are they're invaluable but he's really connected to my spiritual growth and my spiritual stability right because he believes if that is intact then everything else will follow and so he's just really invests. He's a, a good texter. Uh, he invites me out to uh, hang out with his people, to his church. He meets me, drives all across the city, wherever I am, buys me lunch. He's just been a very consistent present in my, presence in my life. And so uh, Pastor Mark is legit. Nice. And he's going to appreciate that I called him a, a young man. A young man. <laughs> so if somebody doesn't have a mentor in their life, what would you say, how would you suggest they go about finding that? Yeah. So um, I talked about this on Hedy's podcast. I think there are a few different ways for uh, mentorship to take place. I think there are group mentors, right? And so this is where a group of people pull on one person. Uh, you're familiar with everyone in the group, but there's this group mentorship. There's, all, there's also the one-on-one mentor, which takes a really big ask from the person wanting to be mentored. The designation is really important. You can't call him my friend. You can't call him my big bro, like stuff like that. 
the office, the designation of mentor is very important because that person is going to need to correct you, direct you. It's, it's going to be firm and sometimes gentle. Mentor is a very specific position. But the one that I think is the most popular is mentorship from a distance. And this is how people find people that they relate to and they follow their journey. This is how Kevin Hart has so many people that he mentored in comedy, in marriage, in business, in movies, the Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, uh, Bill Clinton, Barack Obama. They have hundreds, millions of people that they mentor, but they have no idea that they're doing it. Hmm. So that's the easiest low-lying fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, find a book. Find an author, find an actor, a political activist, a social activist, right? Find somebody that you look up to, that you admire, the work that they do, and flesh out their story. Mm-hmm. Follow their story, right? And and they will give you answers at their discretion. You don't get the one-on-one relationship and you don't get the interaction, but you get all the information coming one way. Mm-hmm. The next, I think, is group, but the best the, the low-hanging fruit is mentorship from a distance. They don't know that they're mentoring you, but you're being mentored, mm-hmm. right? Eddie Murphy, if I'm a comedian, right? Kevin Hart, if I'm a comedian, right? Mm-hmm. I got all these people. Dave Chappelle, they, those are my mentors if I'm a comedian from a distance. You have group stuff that you can kind of plug into, but the best is, hey, Tracy, I really appreciate the work that you do. I really value the work that you're doing. I'm going to ask that you be my mentor. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to put some very hard lines around what that looks like. I want to meet with you once a week. I want to buy you coffee. I want to talk about these things. Can you commit to doing that? And I'm going to show up every single time. I'm not going to waste your time. I want you to hold that office of mentor in my life. Hmm. Those are the ways that I believe mentorship takes place. Wow. That's you put some thought into that. Yeah. It's been your world for quite a while. It has been. I'm going on 22 years of mentoring. Nice. It's crazy. Yeah. I've been mentoring longer than I've been married. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, I love that perspective because I think it's so important in life to have someone who's pouring into you and you pouring into someone else, mm-hmm. you know, just to keep that going. But I hadn't thought about um, the Barack Obamas that me following you is you mentoring me, but it is because oh. you're influencing my life. Yeah. Craig Groeschel, TD yeah. Jakes, Steve Furtick, like these people yeah. are putting out content. Yeah. And there are people that are soaking it up, mm-hmm. right? And, and while they will never say Craig Rochelle is my mentor, because that sounds ridiculous. Yeah. I'm talking to you, yeah. and you're like, who's your mentor? I'm yeah. like, Craig Rochelle. It's like, like, have you ever met him? Oh, you don't know Craig, <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? But you know what I mean? People, Craig mentors yeah. unofficially. Like, they don't mm-hmm. even know. They they got all his books. They listen to his leadership podcast. Mm-hmm. They go to his church, right? They do their part of his conferences and his summits. And they, like, people look at Craig like, that's my dude. Mm-hmm. When it comes to information, that's my guy. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't even know. It. He don't even know half those he people. Don't he don't even fraction those yeah. people. Well, so that also means that we all have a sphere of influence. Yes. So we need to watch what we're doing. That's true. We need to watch what you're saying because somebody's, even if you're, you may be joking about something, but mm-hmm. somebody else may not think that you are. And oh, my goodness. Somebody's always watching. That's the kids. They always choose to <sighs> imitate something that we don't necessarily want them to. <laughs> I was at a single de Mayo party and uh, I, ha- I put on a poncho and a little mustache and a hat and somebody put it on social media and tagged me in it. And then I got this message from one of the kids that I mentored. And he was like, that, is that what you think of my people? And I was mm. like, yeah. Yeah. And th- there's a part of me that is like, why is everyone so sensitive? Mm-hmm. But 
who who am I to determine the level of sensitivity sensitivity yeah. that someone else made yeah. needs, needs to be at? Mm-hmm. And so I immediately, I apologized a thousand times. That was not my intent. Mm-hmm. Please pardon my absent-mindedness. I contacted the person. I was like, can you please take that picture down? Yeah. Uh, and they asked why, and they thought, you know, it was ridiculous initially, but they're mm-hmm. like, we totally understand the position yeah. that you're in. Yeah. And so they took it down. And so I think it's this, when you think about mentorship, not only do you not have to, not only should you take the position with value, but you also have to make sure that you're pointing back into the cycle. And that's talking about me being mentored. That's not even talking about how I mentor, mm-hmm. which is the same avenues. Yeah. Right. There are people that look at Derek Sire page on mm-hmm. Facebook and social media. And I'm like mentoring them. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know. Mm-hmm. Right. If somebody's listening to this right now. I'm going to repost this. And they're yeah. going to be like, man, I didn't even think about hugs that way. Yeah. I didn't even think about mentorship that way. Mm-hmm. And so I know that I have a sphere of influence. I think the bigger it becomes, the more aware or conscious that I have to be of the impact that I have. Mm-hmm. People are watching. They are. And that's good. That's good. Because then you can communicate positive things, you know, get out there and do some hugs and do something kind for somebody else today. Go be like Hetty. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me what is your favorite thing about Paradigm? What do you want people to know that you do? Because I know you all do a lot. We do a lot. We do a lot. I've actually gone um, around the world with Paradigm Shift. We went to uh, (laughs) Turkey and Bulgaria, um, over in Sofia and Silistra, over there in Constantinople. Got a chance to see the Big Blue Mosque and the High Sophia. Hmm. Go down to uh, the market and see all the spices and herbs and candies. And that was really cool. Uh, But more broad, uh, they are a... um, grant-based service company, and they do a lot with interactive learning, experiential learning, adventure-based learning. And what they really try to do is take lofty concepts, break them down, and use activities as the way that people learn. And they do it with adults and kids. Uh, But for the most part, they want to make sure that they are helping people get from where they are to where they want to be with leadership as the, the transportative mode. And I think that's a great idea that's a great concept but seeing it in action is even better it's a great concept but seeing it in action is really better uh, it's even better one of the things that they've done over the last 10 years is they've uh, built up this reputation for working well with grants uh, but the, the the founder the ceo was like man i feel like we're missing a group of people and those people we want to make sure that they get the leadership opportunities to get from where they are to where they want to be. His name is Jared Murray. And I was talking to Jared, and Jared was like, man, I just don't that think that black and brown students are getting what we need. We go places, and we're serving a lot of folks, but disproportionately, significantly disproportionately, are black and brown. So he said, I want to redirect some energy and some focus and some funds, and I want to create this thing called PSME, which is a paradigm shift minority empowerment. And I want to focus solely on black and brown students. Hmm. And I thought the world of that, because I can't imagine the impact. Again, this is Jared putting Derek in the passenger seat. And he's showing me everything that he's done over the last 10, 11, 12 years. And he's like, I want to do it for these people. So eventually I want to put you in the, in the, in the driver's seat and I want you to carry the message and I want you to carry the leadership and I want you to take them from where they are to where they want to be using leadership mm-hmm. as a transportation. So this paradigm shift in a nutshell, they, um, grant based work, they use leadership as the avenue to get people from where they are to where they want to be. And, um, they work with middle school, high school, college students and professional adults. Great. So how do people get a hold of you if they want to benefit, if they want to be involved? Yeah, I would say uh, bypass Derek Sire <laughs> and go straight to ParadigmShiftLeadership.com, ParadigmShiftLeadership.com. 
leadership.com. They're also on Facebook, also on Instagram. Uh, and if you want to specifically work with Derek Sire, uh, they will make it happen. But um, Derek doesn't do too much on his own anymore. I try to fit within the, the big picture of what Paradigm Shift does uh, because it's so symbiotic. It's so similar. Uh, it would almost become competitive if I tried to do it on my own. And that's not something I'm not. Hedy says this a lot. I don't care who gets the credit. I want to make sure the work gets done. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that I've adopted more recently. It's like, it doesn't have to be Derek, but it does have to be someone doing the work. Mm -hmm. So I don't care who's in the passenger seat. I don't care who in the back seat. I don't care who in the back of the truck, as long as we're going the same way. Mm -hmm. As long as we're moving that truck. Yeah, definitely. Move it forward. Great. So I'm curious to hear your definition of community because you travel all over the place. Yeah. You mentor so many people. You've did, been doing it for a long time. And you recently moved to a different part of the city on right. purpose. Yes. So explain, talk to us about that. So I don't know that people, I'm going to, I'm going to say this pretty firmly, and I'm, I'm going to take away that I don't know. I do know, I honestly believe people don't belong to one community. Mm hmm I think that when we use the term community, we have to be very specific to the community that we're referring to. So me being a male, I belong to a community. Just as, just as, a, as a male, as a father, I belong to a community. As a black person, I belong to a community. As a mentor, I belong to a community. So this concept of cross-sectionality, where there are all these different points where we connect not only with other people, but within ourselves, it broadens our sense of community. And I think people believe they have to belong to one and not the other. Mm -hmm. And that's unfair and unjust. And that devalues the human experience. Mm -hmm. And so when, you, when I say my community, it's like, I got to be more specific. Yeah. Are you talking about the mentor community? Are you talking about the black community? Are you talking about the east side? Because I just moved to the east side. That's now part of my community. Are you talking about the business community? Are you talking about socioeconomic status, race, ethnicity, nationality, culture? Like, what are you saying? And so I just think that people, when they say my community... They have to be pretty specific mm -hmm. because if you don't specify which community you belong to, other people will fill the dots in for you. Mm -hmm. And that is, I don't want anybody else telling a, the wrong narrative or and misinterpreting my intent. Mm -hmm. I want to make it clear. Right. And so when I say the community of faith, mm -hmm. the community of color, the athletic community, the business community, the mentorship community, the East side, like I want to be, specific when I'm talking about the community that I reference. So to answer your question, when I think of community, there's no single definition because I know that we belong to so many different things that we have to be very specific when we're talking about community. Mm -hmm. But they all have some of the same things, right? I mean, everybody wants to be accepted. Everyone wants to be included, yeah. you know, and like you said, hopefully there's a lot of crossover yes. happening you know, to, uh, what, what's the Venn diagram thing? I want the Venn diagram to, br to broaden mm -hmm. and everybody to be, to feel included, to feel, have a place, have a home. Yeah. Have yeah. their people. Uh oh. Yeah. So every, every community, they, when you're, when you're a part of the community, they want to be seen, they want to be valued, heard, appreciated. They, they want room to express themselves, right? They, they want, uh, because, because I think when you, in the hierarchy of needs, when you belong, that allows you to focus on some other things. Mm. People are, I think people want to belong. Mm -hmm. And people who say they don't want to belong are just frustrated that they don't. Mm -hmm. Everybody belongs somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very important. When we think about community, we, if we take away all of the, the descriptors and we talk about what the heart of it is, it's people with things in common and then providing space for differences and variety. Mm. I just made that up just now. I like it. 
Yeah. I like it. It's a place where people belong, and there's space for people maybe who don't. Or maybe that, you know, I'm just trying to figure out a way. How do you include yeah. everybody in the, the concept of community? Well, I love that definition because it's where everybody belongs, even though you're different and there's variety. That's yes. perfect. That's perfect. Go. That's that's the world. You cleaned okay. it up. I appreciate it. There you go. Now there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so give us your 30-second shout-out, your motivational, what do you want to leave people with? Because we've oh. talked about a lot of motivating things. Yeah. So if you, what, what do you, what's your thing? Yeah, I uh, remember my dad growing up, and I have a bunch of dad stories, 30 seconds. No, dad, no, 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 not 30 seconds. You take whatever you want. Oh, I, I, was gonna, I want I was dad gonna, stories. I was going to fly. Yeah. I, I remember my dad uh, driving up and down the north side of Tulsa, just 55th, 56th Street, 55th, 54th. He had this big red truck driving up and down the street. Honk, honk. Kids would come flooding out of the house. They'd jump in the back of the truck, and he would drop them off in the community center. And whenever they came out, they had their siblings with them. Or, yeah. Uh, they had a bag of clothes with them or whatever it was. But when they got to the community center, um, dad, uh, they had food up there. They would help wash their clothes and they would teach them some sort of skill or sport or something. And I remember uh, at the end of the night, dad would go back 56. They would jump out the car, jump out the car, go home. 55th, 54th, 52nd, 53rd, 51st, all the way up to the park. And I remember one day uh, we, would, uh, we, we sat in the driveway. My dad was like, one day this is going to be you. Like you're going to be driving the truck. Hmm. And I was like, you know, I'm just a kid. And I'm like, nah. But How old were you? I was probably about 13, 14, 15. And uh, I remember coming out one day. And uh, and he was sitting in the passenger seat. It's after I got my license. And he was like, let's go. And I was like, man. You're driving the truck. I'm driving the truck. And I think of how important and how symbolic that is. Because right now in our communities, there are people that are driving different narratives and there are people that are driving different initiatives and are driving different things. And we're not going to live forever. And so this concept of who's in the passenger seat mm. has to become more of a conversation. Mm-mm. We have to start putting people in the passenger seat to see how things are done so that when we're done driving and it's their turn, there is no gap, there's no delay, there's no pause in what we've built. Hmm. And that doesn't happen with finances. It doesn't happen with marriage, it doesn't happen with parenting, it doesn't happen with edu- education. It's almost like every generation wants the next generation to find their own way. And while there is some merit to it, there's also value in the transition from one to another. You know, uh, when we just had the transition of one president to another it's customary to welcome and transition and that's happened for years for decades right that's happened and to let a personal preference get in the way of something that is pretty vital not only an operational transition but a uh, symbolic transition to the people we're hamilton fans and there he's saying we have to teach them how to say goodbye mm-hmm. we have to teach them how to say goodbye like this america is going to be this place where transition is embraced across the street or across the the ocean the king was saying 
wait, he's voluntarily leaving. I didn't know that you could do that. Who's next? John Adams. Good luck. You know, like he's just <laughs> kind of going through this. But I think, I think my dad sitting me in the passenger seat, showing me how to go up and down the street, how to honk the horn, how to feed, feed the kids, how to wash their clothes, how to teach a sport. That's something that I learned at 13, 14, 15. Mm-hmm. And so the transition when I'm 18, 19, 20 was not difficult. Mm-hmm. The transition to mentorship and working with kids and families was not difficult. Mm-hmm. Imagine what happens if I don't get that at that age. Imagine trying to be a father and you've never seen what a father does. Imagine trying to be a husband and, a, and you've never seen what a husband does. Imagine trying to run a home or a business or save money or study or sleep or eat well or be a community member or vote. Or imagine trying to do all those different things when you haven't spent time in the passenger seat. Mm. So my cry to the world, if you are learning how to do something, there should also be somebody with you learning the exact same thing. Mm. Dad, take your kid with you, right? Husband, right? Take your kid with you. Find yourself in a community where people are doing something similar. Because if we find ourselves on our own learning it and we're not passing it on, that's unsustainable. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine spacecraft like discovering something or SpaceX and then they're like, no, we're not sharing it with NASA. And then everybody dies. And NASA's like, well, how'd they do that? Like, we don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I think it's, I think it's, it's a, that's a tragedy that we, we don't share information, that we don't share experiences, that we feel like we have, if, if I keep it to myself, or if I only share it with a select few people, we don't, we, we don't understand the impact that it has when everybody doesn't know how to do it. Hmm. Do you, do you listen to Elon Musk mm-hmm. at all? Mm-hmm. He was on the Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah, I listened to that. Yeah, and he was talking about this, uh, the, the putting the, the chip in the brain. Yes, he, uh, yeah. And and merging the two, right? How yeah. do we, because he was like, we already have phones. They're just an extension of our brains. Yeah. And it's already there. It's like, but how do we connect them together? And Joe was like, it's going to be a race of superhumans. He was like, well, not true. Because the way that I use my phone is different than the way you use your phone, mm-hmm. right? It would speed up the process, but it's definitely based on the person, on how they use it. And I think it's the same. That these resources that, that are available, some people know how to get them, other people don't. Hmm. The resources that are available, some people know how to get them right, and use them, and other people don't. And I think it's just a shame that people don't know how, and that information isn't readily available. And some people will say that it is readily available. Mm-hmm. But it's like, eh, I think the best way to do it it's having conversations, sitting across the table, porch time, putting somebody in the passenger seat, and building that relationship so that it's easily transferable. I went on a whole rant. No, I love it. I'm super passionate about that, though. I love that. Yeah, I love the passenger seat analogy. That's great. So did your dad die suddenly? Um, no, we, uh, we, we knew that my dad was passing. Just kind of a, a hard life working, doing very hard work. Um, he drove a bus for probably 40 years wow uh, school bus and, um, you know both rotator cuffs torn bad knees uh, he was a smoker he was a drinker uh, he was overweight for a while so just dealing with high blood pressure and diabetes and obesity and things like that and uh, you know you live a life like that for too long it just kind of takes a wear and tear on the body uh late late in life he was uh, diagnosed with Mela, mela, not melanoma, mela something where uh, the blood that you produce, uh, the body sees it as bad blood. Mm. And so like the body is attacking itself. Mm. 
uh, at the at the marrow level. Mm. So as the bone as the blood is being made, right, it's it's also attacking itself. So he was going through tons of blood and uh, kidney failure at the end. He, he was close to seven percent kidney failure. So we knew that it was coming, and uh, so the last week of of his life, he was just like, man, I just don't want to live that life where. Um, People are taking care of me, and I can't do things on my own. And so he pulled himself off of dialysis, I believe, on a, like a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Everybody came to his house on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I slept all day Sunday, passed on a Monday. Mm-hmm. So everybody sought coming, which gave us time. We were thankful for the time that we, we had. We sought coming. Uh, but, you know, during that time, you also, like, it, it's ne- it's never enough. Even though you see it coming, yeah. there's so many conversations and so much information. And uh, when you think you got somebody for a while, the important things don't seem urgent. Mm-hmm. They just seem important. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between important and urgent. Mm-hmm. When you feel like you got people around for a while, the important things don't seem urgent. And then when the important things are urgent and you don't have enough time, they don't really seem important anymore. <laughs> so you don't want to spend the last time talking about other stuff that you've been dying to talk about. It's like, no, man, let's just reflect and have a good time. So I remember driving my dad some uh, fried chicken down there. He was like, that's the only thing he wanted. And he wasn't even really eating that much. But uh, sent some fried chicken home with my guy that was in the city because I just came back from seeing my dad. But good dude, community guy, drove buses, coached sports, mentored kids, drove the church van, was a deacon at the church. He sang. He was in a band, played guitar, played electric guitar, um, cut grass, went to college on a wrestling scholarship, um, had eight kids, um, two um, my mother brought in, and then he raised another five. And just a, he lived a very, very full life. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he would say he had any regrets, but just a, a good dude who made a lot of mistakes and uh, had a really big heart. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, something that I, I try to really manifest in my life is the things that he did well and learn from the things that he did poorly or things that he wish he would have done differently but just a, a big dude three quarter creek indian long hair um kind of just babbling off you know creek every now and again you know just just, just a cool kid he was funny um he was charismatic he was a wooer he won people over really quickly yeah just a just a good dude. Yeah. Mm. Just a good guy. I'm so glad that you had someone that put you in the passenger seat. Yeah. Because now you're out there with thousands of people that you've had in the passenger seat. Yeah. To, keeping it going. And I talk about that everywhere I go. Yeah. I try to make sure there, there's a guy that I was talking to who is uh, who's Muslim, and they have different takes on heaven and hell mm-hmm. uh, in the the Muslim faith. But one of the things that he said, uh, and this particular guy, I don't know if it's true, I haven't researched it, but he said, we believe heaven is in the heart. And the way that you make sure people continue to live on is in their memory. Hmm. And so the more you share, the more they're remembered. And it reminded me of uh, Coco, the the movie, the animated movie, oh, uh-huh. where the kid uh, was trying to make sure that the memory of the people stayed alive. And yeah. Yeah, it's just kind of the same concept. Yeah. When, you, when people on earth forgot about you, kind of yeah. faded away. Yeah. And so there's something that uh, I just I just want to make sure that, that my kids know my dad, mm. that people in the world know my dad, that at some point in time they're like, hey, remember that guy that was talking about mm-hmm. his father and how cool he was? 
Yeah, just trying to just get as much of dad to the world mm-hmm. uh, that he wasn't able to get while he was here. Mm-hmm. So I put him in books and I take pictures of him and there you go. All that good stuff. I love the description of someone who made who has a big heart but made a lot of mistakes because that describes pretty much everybody. <laughs> yeah, they admit it. That's for sure. That's true. We may not always admit it. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Thank you for sharing about your dad. No problem. My pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. Yes. I really appreciate your energy today. We laughed. We cried. I haven't cried. Well, I have cried before, but I haven't laughed and cried in the same episode. <laughs> so this this has been fun. This has been fun. I'm going to go tell that dog story because that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's so funny. And listeners, thank you again for joining us for another conversation around good. Please don't forget to like, tag, share, give us a podcast review, anything that we can do to help share more stories of good. If you know someone who's doing cool things in their community, go to madepossibleby.us, hit that podcast button, and there's a place that you can sign them up so they can share their stories of good with the world. Have a great one. Go out and give somebody a hug today, right? We're giving hugs? Yes. Go give hugs. Huggers unite. Thank you for joining us for another conversation around good. Hit that subscribe button so you never miss out on a story of good. Made Possible By makes giving easy for community-minded businesses and provides a better way to share their stories of good. Go to madepossibleby.us for more information or to sign up to be a guest on our podcast. Now, get out there and make good loud. Conversations around good. Yo, we talking. Conversations around good. Yo, we talking. Yo, Conversations, conversations, conversations around the good.